0: Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's readings are Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104, and Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste! sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: Uh, Just raise a hand if you would like to be more clear in discerning and hearing God's will. God's will for life. Anyone like that? Great. Okay, I'm the same. And um, as I've been uh, thinking about this, I think there's a principle to understanding God's will over our lives. And it's this If I live to obey, if I live to obey, then I will walk in God's will. If I live to obey Jesus, then I will walk in God's will. And related to that also comes a, a, a kind of a next step from that, which is. I don't need to understand in order to obey. I don't need to understand in order to obey. So I want to unpack those for us this morning. Now, obedience is not a popular thing. Uh, we live in a culture where, where our idols include being independent and self-determining and in charge and everything else. And we believe that very, very passionately. We, we go through our teens, our twenties and into adulthood and we believe I want to be in- independent. And we believe that until the point comes when we have children and then obedience is our best friend ever. We want, whether you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle or your babysitter even, uh, we want children to obey us. And so, whether, and that makes a lot of sense. So, whether it's saying to your child, don't run into the road or don't touch the stove when it's hot or give granny a kiss. Well, she's got a mustache. I don't care. Give her a kiss. You know, it, we teach them things and we say, we expect you to obey. And it may take them years, even decades, before they gain understanding as to why we've taught them to obey these particular things. But that's, that's good parenting, and we would all agree with that. And spiritually, we are God's children, and obedience is God's love language. Uh, turn to Psalm 119, where we were just a moment ago. Anna read for us. Uh, And we're in verse 97. So be grateful we're not reading the whole of Psalm 119. But um, verse 97, uh, we read this. Oh, how I love your law. And that represents all the things that God speaks to us, all the ways God communicates through Scripture and and in other ways. I meditate on it all day long. that, That word meditate means to muse on or to prayerfully reflect. In other words, what it means is I am intentionally taking time to to, to think about and to study and to inwardly digest what God is saying to me. And then if we just jump on to verse 100, it says, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Or if the ESV says, for I keep your precepts. Verse 101, I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might, same word again, obey or keep your word. And that word uh, that's there in the Hebrew, which we could translate obey or or to keep, uh, it literally means to guard or to keep watch over or to closely observe. And what it's telling us is that uh, if, if we want to walk well with God, if we want to know his will in our lives and the situations where we find him, uh, we, we need to have this really high value, this focus on, 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 uh, on obeying what it is he's saying to us. We need to be so intent on, on knowing who God is and what he's saying that we don't want it to slip through our fingers. We, we recognize that as we learn to obey God, it's going to benefit us. It's going to build us up. It's going to shape us and mold us. It's going to be a source of life. Now then, obedience is quite an abstract uh, concept and so I wanted to give you a very visual illustration of what obedience looks like. So I'm going to come stand over here and uh, we'll see if this works. It may not work and I'm going to have a glamorous, beautiful female assistant help me here. And uh, here she is. Molly, can you come here? Molly, come here. Come front. Molly, come front. Uh, uh, Molly, come front. Molly. Molly good girl, very excited, oh yes, right Molly, stay, here we go, gonna walk over here, Molly, look at me, (laughs) Molly, okay, come front, all right, now sit, here we go, you can have that, very excited, Molly, right Molly, Molly, good girl, high five, yes, good girl, There we go. It's so exciting out here. All right, now, Molly, I want you to park it. Okay, when you've finished your bacon, there we go. Park it. There we go. You can stay there. Just stay. Okay, so that's a little example of obedience roughly working. Now, with uh, Molly, who is... Stay there. Good girl. Uh, now, Molly is thinking, as, she, as I call her out here, this is a new place for her. She's very excited. She wants to come and sniffle you. There's lots of wonderful crotches to put her nose into. She's very uh, full of anticipation for that. And yet she also is hearing my voice saying something to her. And she's thinking, oh pack leader has told me a command and, and whilst I want to go and sniff all these people I also know that he's the one who provides food for me and and, and a place of shelter and he gives me all this great food and, and and okay he's my leader I need to obey him I need to follow him even though I don't understand why he's making me do all these silly things and making me lie here and I think there's a picture there of how we're meant to operate with God because we become like Jesus through obedience We become like Jesus through obedience. And it's as we obey in the small things, the little things of life, where we live this out, where we live, work, and play, um, that's when the bigger things will follow. If you hunger to be a person who sees the signs and wonders and the miracles happen through you, I think the disciplines that leads to that are where we choose to be obedient in the little minutiae things that perhaps no one else even sees. But we know that's what God is saying to us and we choose to obey him in those situations and those moments. Now, as we read the Bible, what we see is that obedience is never abstract. It's always enacted. It's always enacted. So turn with me to Matthew 7, which we heard uh, read as well. So the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we heard these words from Jesus. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or a wise woman who built his house on the rock, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Good girl, stay there. And so, um, one of the reasons Jesus puts that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is to remind us that the reason he gives us this great teaching is not just to make our heads get puffed up, but so that we can change how we live, so that we put it into practice, so that we choose to obey him. The wise person is the one who hears and obeys what Jesus is saying to them. We put into practice what Jesus says. It's interesting, back in Psalm 119, where we were uh, to begin with, if you've still got a finger there, you can flick, or I'll just read this verse. Verse 98 of, of that first reading, it says this, "...your commands are always with me, and make me wiser than my enemies." They make me wiser than my enemies. In other words, there's this very close link in the Bible between obedience and wisdom. Obedience and wisdom are tied together. So if you want to become a wise person who's full of God's wisdom, you want to become like Solomon in your workplace or in your family or in your neighborhood. And I believe God wants to do that. He wants to have men and women and boys and girls who have answers to life's difficult problems because we have access to the mind of Christ. Uh, First Corinthians 2, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. That's how he ends that chapter. And so we have access to God's wisdom and God's understanding and God's discernment and God's knowledge. But um, the the entry point into that is us choosing a life of obedience to what God is saying. God's not just going to throw his stuff around willy-nilly if we're just constantly ignoring what it is that he's saying to us. Now, when we hear this, we think, well, is this a mindless obedience? And the answer is no. God is actually genuinely interested in what we think and and our contribution to this process. Uh, He loves your ideas. He loves your creativity. He loves your thoughts, your dreams that you have. Uh, Jesus says this in John 15, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And that word remain, uh, also you can, uh, some Bibles translate it abide. And it means to be continuously present in that relationship. Uh, So God's saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, be continuously aware of my presence with you. And as you're continuously aware of me, uh, just choose to be obedient in the little things that I'm prompting you with and I'm speaking to you about. And they're not all going to be harsh. Many of them are going to be blessings. Many of them are going to be good things. But as we choose to be obedient in those smaller things, those smaller situations, uh, God can open up all sorts of things through our lives and we get to partner with him. I think if we're honest, our fear is that we are going to lose control, that somehow God wants us to become robots. And that's actually the complete opposite of how God wants us to be and to think. Jesus has no desire to turn you into an automated robot. Uh, He wants you to dream up amazing things with him. And the reason is because this is part of our destiny. Do you know that your destiny is to reign with Christ in heavenly places? I don't know if you know that, but the Bible says that very clearly. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6... Uh, we're told God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And what he's telling us is that Jesus has all authority and all power, uh, but he wants to share that with us. So in eternity, we are going to be doing ruling with Christ. We're going to be... He's going to give us some of his authority and we'll have amazing responsibilities and opportunities. And here in this life... Before we get there, part of what he's doing is he's training us and he's preparing us and he's shaping us to carry that amazing weight, that amazing responsibility. We have no idea that the the options and the possibilities that heaven's going to have for us, but he's training us in the here and now. And so, what that means is we get to partner with him. So, you have dreams, you have ideas, you have things that you long for, you have things that you long to see happen in your workplace or in your neighborhood, or amongst your family, or with your friends, or in that, in that soccer team, or, or with a particular segment of the population. Things that you would love to see happen. And I believe many of those are put on our hearts by Jesus. And he wants us to partner with us in seeing those things come about. He wants to open up for you access to heaven's resources. And the way we enter into that is through obedience. As, as we're faithful in the small things, God then can release the greater things into us and through us. Now, Adam and Eve is a good little case story for us here because Adam and Eve forgot how to behave in that relationship. If you think about it, they were in this incredible garden, this situation of, of full on relationship with God. They had so much opportunity, this beautiful, beautiful place. They were invited to co labor with God in crafting it and shaping it and cultivating this, this planet. Uh, and they had uh, limitless resources ahead of them. And yet uh, they had one rule. And the rule was. Don't at the center, Don't go to the center of the garden and take the fruit from the knowledge of good and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, of course, that's what Adam and Eve did. They took the fruit and they ate it. And that's that's what we call the fool. And um, the issue with Adam and Eve and what they did wrong is wisdom is tied to obedience. Let me just explain that for you first. Um, God wants us to flourish. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to be the very best version of you that you could be. He wants us to mature because he wants us to co reign with him. But here's the kicker we are not God. We do not have just turn to your neighbour and look at them and say, You're not God. Okay, because some, some of you might need a reminder of that. <laughs> I see some wives saying it very heartily to the husbands, you're not God. <laughs> but th- that means because you're not God, we cannot know all wisdom. And the wisdom we do have is revealed to us by God through relationship. And so that means we do not have moral independence. We can't create our own ethics outside of God and expect to flourish. And so at heart, what went wrong with Adam and Eve? The issue was disobedience. Wisdom is tied to obedience. And we want to see God's wisdom in our lives. We want to be able to access it. Um, But we actually go the same pathway as Adam and Eve so often. We choose not to obey because we think our understanding is more important than our obedience. So it looks like this. We say something like, uh, before I share my faith, I want to know what the outcome is going to be. I want to know I'm not going to be embarrassed by my neighbours or they're not going to get upset with me. And yet Jesus says to us, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, there's not very much detail in that call. And Jesus says, that's the call. Are you going to follow me? He doesn't give us a a full plan. He just says, are you going to follow me? And we have to say yes or no. Because Jesus is looking for obedience, even before we gain the understanding that we might want to have. Or maybe we say something like, I need theological clarity before I do anything. But, you know, that's not how Jesus does things all the time. Jesus um, does not say um, the world will know you by the correctness of your doctrine. Well, he says something quite different, doesn't he? And what Jesus is saying to us is, I love you so much. I died on the cross for you. I died so that your sins could be dealt with once and for all. I died so that you might enter into freedom and fullness of life that I dream for you to have. I long for you to have. He says, I want these things for you. But in response, he's looking for a heart that's submitted to him, a heart of obedience, a heart that recognizes that Jesus is not just our Savior, he's also our Lord, he's our Master. And we need to respond like that. Now, um, one of the things that uh, all of us have to go through is recognizing that as we learn to obey God, as we, as we long for his wisdom, we're not going to understand everything that he asks us to do. So I'll give you a couple of examples of that. One example is the issue of uh, tithing and what we do with our finances. So um, Hannah and I, have, since I remember when we were newly married, we had the conversation, in fact, before we got married and as we got uh, entered into marriage, of what are we going to do with our money? And um, we, you know, we, we believe that God calls us to tithe, um, so give the first 10% of our income straight back to him. And I know some people might have different perspectives. Some say, well, I'm New Testament, Old Testament. And I'd go, well, if you live under grace, then you give more, not less. So I still think 10% is the baseline. Um, and so we had to make the choice to start doing that from day one of our marriage. And I was working for a church where I got paid very, very little. I mean, our, our income was incredibly low. And, um, and it was logically, we'd look at the math on the piece of paper and it was complete foolishness to be giving that. It was, it was lunacy. We, we met with a, a financial advisor at the time and he made us budget stuff out and he looked at us and said, well, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but we knew God had called us to do that. And so we chose to obey, even though it made no sense logically, even though our understanding hadn't yet caught up with our obedience as to quite how this worked. And yet we found every single year, God has been faithful. And as we've made that the, the platform, we've given more on top of that, Um, God has been faithful and God has been so generous to us and um, I think sometimes there's these issues we see in our life where God calls us to obey something mentally and even on paper you think this is crazy how could this possibly work and yet we have to take a step of faith and say God I believe you I'm trusting you Uh, I want to be obedient to what you've called me to do. Another example might be relationships. Uh, so, whether you're single, whether you're married, God calls us to live in our relationships with a, with a level of purity and holiness and, uh, and of self-sacrifice, of preferring the other. And, you know, at times we don't feel like that. It makes no sense at all. It's like, I want what I want. I want my rights and then they're, they're being mean to me. And, uh, you know, I, I have these passions and burning desires and, and all the rest of it that goes on. And we all, we all wrestle with that whole thing there. And yet God calls us to live a different way. And the question is, are we going to obey first and trust that in that gap where our obedience precedes our understanding that God will lead us through and that um, eventually we'll look back and go, I'm so pleased I chose that pathway. I'm so pleased I chose that pathway so of, of purity, of holiness, of, 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 um, of laying down my, my rights, laying down my desires for the benefit of the other. And we, we see this worked out in our life in, in many situations and I think God, God wants us... God loves that when we operate like that. Um, when Hannah and I uh, and the boys we lived in the UK, the last city we were in uh, in Sheffield um, uh, as a couple we were discipling the young people in the church and so there were, uh, we saw this amazing um, work of God and there were literally hundreds and hundreds of college students uh, uh, coming to faith and getting discipled and we had, there was this amazing ministry that went on there and, um, and the way we were uh, trying to lead that was that we were investing in some 20-somethings. And so it was a group of 20-somethings who were just a little bit older, and we were discipling them very intentionally. They were always around our home and, and around our boys when they were young and, um, and helping us lead out in, in this work that was going on. And um, what was interesting was watching then, as I reflect back upon them uh, and upon the, the college students who were seeing, and I see this today at Grace with our young people, with our teens and, and early 20s, is... Um, I think the thing that these, this next generation we're hungering for, are hungering for, is they're looking to be all in for Jesus. I, I don't think your average 19, 21-year-old wants to have some kind of passive blah, so-so sort of faith. That's not very exciting. That's not engaging. That's not, what that's not what's going to make them look different on campus. I think young people, when they, when they go for Jesus, they want to be all in for Christ, they want to say, this is all or nothing. I'm absolutely going to be 100% devoted to Jesus Christ. I want to be a man or a woman full of passion who, who's, who's desirous of, of Christ, who wants to, to worship him above what else, who wants to obey him in every situation. And, and you know, if I say for those of us who are older in that age group, we who are older might look, sometimes and go, you know, that, that we might look and spot things and be nitpicky or think maybe they're a bit flaky in places or overzealous in others. But you know, I think we don't want to quench that. We want to to encourage our young people to be full of passion for the Lord and going for him. But it's because what I see at heart there is actually they want to be absolutely committed to obeying Jesus. And they're looking for older men and women who they can model their lives upon, who likewise are utterly committed to obeying Jesus through thick and thin. So that when a young person says, I want a mentor, that's what they mean. They want someone who's gone further down the pathway ahead of them, who's who's learned how to obey Jesus even when it hurts, and even when they don't understand, and even when it's costly, and even when there's no obvious reward. But they've said, I've chosen to obey him in these areas, and I've grown as a result. And I think that's what the next generation are looking for. And and so I, I want to encourage us all that... This, this theme of obedience, of choosing to obey Christ, is not just for our own benefit, but is also for the sake of the next generation, for the sake of the spread of the gospel. Because I think uh, people who are ruthlessly committed to being completely obedient to Christ um, are deeply attractive. We're deeply attractive. And you might not have all the answers, you might not have all the, 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 the how to resolve the tricky theological questions that people ask, and, in a, but, but actually, if we're living in such a way that we live transformed lives, that there is a radical commitment to, to live how Jesus calls us to live, that will shape your workplace and that will shape your neighbourhood and that will shape the next generation and, and all the other people you get to influence. And so my, my exhortation to us this morning as I wrap up is, let's choose afresh to be radically obedient to Jesus Christ. And um, what what I'd like to do in just a moment is to pray for us. Um, But as we go into that prayer, I have a simple question for you. And the simple question is this. uh, What is the one area this week where you can be obedient to Jesus? So what's the one area where Jesus is calling you to obey him this week? And I'm not guilt tripping you, so don't get don't, don't If you hear condemnation, that's not from Jesus, all right? Uh, but in, in a positive way, what's the one area where Jesus is calling you to obey him this week? And it might be something that's coming straight into mind. And uh, I'm not saying, it, and just so we're clear, it's not always going to be a negative. It's not always going to be, I need to stop doing X. It might be a positive. I'm, I want you to be like this. I'm calling you to live like this. But what's the one thing, that one area of obedience? Where you can follow Jesus to sweet. As you think about that, let me tell you a story, and then I'm going to pray. Um, a couple of years ago, I was at a conference, and they had a, a leader from uh, China there who who led a, a large house church network in China. And as you know, a lot of the churches there are persecuted churches, are, uh, and the government tries to shut down a lot of what's going on. And um, he was asked in this interview, "How do you disciple people?" And he said, um, "He said it's very simple. He said." Like, get a group of people we meet together and I teach them one thing and then I tell them go away this week and put into action this one thing that I've taught you then we come back together the next week and I ask them how they got on doing that one thing and if they've obeyed and they've put into practice then I teach them something else. And he said, this, this grows really quickly. And very quickly, it becomes a reproductive group because they then take the one thing they've learned and they teach it to others. And what they, f- they found at the time when I heard him, he said, we've started 60,000 house churches in the previous two years using that model in a country where it's heavily persecuted to be a follower of Jesus. So I know it's a different context, but at the same time, there's something about radical obedience to Jesus where we just take This simple next step of obedience we put into practice and then we say, Lord, what's the next thing you want me to obey? And we keep doing that. Simple next steps and that is transformatory. It is revolutionary to this world. So, I've talked for long enough. Let's pray. So do you want to stand with me and we'll just wait on the Lord for a moment and we'll pray. If you've got something in your mind that you just want to commit back to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to obey you in this one thing this week, So I'll just give us a moment just to be quiet. You can lift that thing for him. If you're not sure what it is, just say, Lord, I'm, I'm open to whatever it is you want me to do. So, Father God, we, we love you. We, we adore you. We thank you for your incredible goodness to us, for your care and your mercy and your provision. We thank you um, for rescuing us from the pit and the mess that we got ourselves into through sin, and we have been uh, lifted out from that place. We thank you for your gift of salvation, being set free from our sins, but also set free so that we can honour you and serve you and represent you. And so we we hold before you this this one thing, this next step of obedience in our lives for this week ahead. We look at it and we go, it's quite a small thing perhaps, but we say we want to be obedient and faithful to you. And we thank you, we don't have to do it in our own strength, that you give us this amazing gift of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, uh, would you please send your spirit afresh into us now, so that we don't have to strive, but uh, we can just be faithful and know you're empowering, and we can live lives of obedience that please you and which are a sign and a wonder to those around us in our families and in our workplaces and in our neighbourhoods and to the next generation. And Lord, we, we just say again, please help me to be obedient to you. I want to be obedient to you. Help me to learn and to grow in these things.
0: In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.